0: to uh, tell our audience what some of the troubles or pitfalls with estate planning when it comes to these types of non-traditional assets as opposed to say, you know, having a, a million dollar stock and bond portfolio. Exactly. The, the, the most frequent issue we come up with is that estate uh, planning attorneys and financial advisors have not been trained to think of collectible items as a financial asset. And for many years, that was probably a completely valid uh, position. But now you can have a single painting worth 60 or 80 million dollars. A single piece of furniture can be 20 or 30 million dollars. Uh, there was a 1962 Ferrari sold recently for 30 something million dollars. So, so the amounts of money associated with these items of personal property now has become so significant that it's actually could be, um, quite a problem for the estate planning attorney who doesn't Ask the question. You know, are there items, significant items of personal property in your possession that we need to take, pay attention to in the estate planning process? Most commonly, the estate planning attorney will just say, "Okay, you got a bunch of stuff in your home. We have a line item here at the bottom. We'll put twenty-five or thirty thousand down there for personal property," and they just move on. Well, this can get the attorney or the financial advisor in a great deal of trouble now if there's 30 to $50 million worth of collectibles that end up being unplanned for simply because the attorney or the advisor failed to ask the question, what's in your garage, what's in your um, basement, what's hanging on the walls, what's in your bookcases or your curio cabinets. So that's one of the really extreme situations we come up with. You know, we'll we'll um, occasionally be asked to consult on a matter where the attorney has failed to plan for a very significant amount in the estate. Another big problem we have is when often the collector also doesn't think of these as financial assets. They are collecting what they love and they have may, may have owned many of these items for many many years and they don't even factor into their thinking when they are considering what uh, what financial assets they have assembled in their portfolio they don't think of the art as a financial asset so often they're not even disclosing to the attorney that they have all this stuff so if the attorney isn't asking the question and the collector isn't discussing what they have it's very easy for all of this to fall between them. The cracks. And if you're Another just tuning prop- in, you're listening to the Wealth Guardians Radio Show with uh, Sean Lee and Doug Ray. We're uh, talking to Paige Stover-Hague, uh, attorney that specializes in unconventional assets. And Paige, uh, we're talking about uh, – please continue on with the conversation for those who just uh, joined in. Sure. Another issue that we see is there have been – in situations where – uh, certain pieces of property have been in a family for multiple generations, and this can be typical with art and antiques. Um, at the time of the death of the great-grandparents, rather than dealing with this as a financial asset and having it being contemplated for estate tax purposes, is at the time of death or a few days after, items will just be removed from the decedent's home and brought to the home of the, the decedent's children. Then that happens for a second generation. So now you have multiple generations of transfers of very valuable assets that have never been reported to the IRS for estate tax purposes. And where this gets very tricky is the statute of limitations doesn't ever run on tax fraud. So if the IRS discovers in the year 2014 that you have a uh, Picasso painting that has had a midnight transfer through multiple generations, all of a sudden the owner is going to learn that they own a tremendous amount of state taxes and penalties for all of these previous transfers. That is a humongous problem.